Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, uh, what I want to do today is I want to bring to conclusion the series I've been teaching entitled Family Values. Uh, we've been talking about in this series really the values that, we sh- that, that really should shape the culture of our church. You know, culture is an interesting word, and what it really means is this sort of the DNA that, you know, when you think about a, a, a science culture, right, it's a, it's, a, it's a conglomeration of a bunch of things mixed together. And so our culture of our church should, be, should have a certain flair to it, and, and that flair, I believe, is, is, is shaped by these values that, that I've been talking about. And when these values are embraced, I believe it creates the greatest opportunity for God to manifest, for us to experience him, and for us to just uh, be the church that God's called us to be. And so we're using 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 as our foundational text, and so we'll read that. And then I'm just going to ask you just to believe God with me to speak through me to you today because he cares about your life and what you're going through. But let's read that, and then we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll get through the message. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 says, You also, so it's speaking to you, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you that you've inhabited our praise this morning. We've experienced you through the fellowship and hugs and handshakes that we've given each other. But I just ask you now that the power and presence of your Holy Spirit would settle down amongst us to teach us and illuminate your word to us. Let revelation knowledge and grace and truth be deposited into our lives. Thank you for using me to speak through me to your people. And I think you will be able to say, as I say every week, that we're better because we came to church today. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you notice there in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, that verse says that we are being built into a spiritual house. And so what that means is, and I pointed this out last week, it says that we are living stones. And one of the things I pointed out in this series is that, you know, um, we are called to be stones that are fitly joined together that make up a spiritual house. Anybody that says, well, my relationship with Jesus is personal and it's my personal thing and it's nobody's business doesn't really understand the scriptures. Because what the scriptures teaches us is that we are called to be connected together. And what God is doing is he's joining us together to build us up into a spiritual edifice or a house. Now, one of the things we talked about early on, and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke this to my heart, was this simple phrase that the quality of what's in the house is what attracts someone to inhabit the house. And so when we think about God inhabiting us and us showing up and ex- truly experiencing the real and living God on Sunday mornings when we're here together or when, when, whenever else we're here, then we have to understand that there are certain attributes or qualities that he's looking for. If you're looking for a house, I use this illustration, if you're building a house or you're looking for a house, you're looking for what you want. Maybe it's three bedrooms, maybe it's four bedrooms. You know, and sometimes we buy a house out of necessity and it's not exactly the house we want and we have our dream house, right? And that dream house really makes up what we desire. And so God is building a house with us. So what that means is he's trying to put in this house, in this body of believers, as well as any other collective body of believers, he's trying to put into that house the things that make it most conducive and the things that make him comfortable to be there. How many of you realize God is a real, eternal being? Sometimes I think we get this mindset that he's some sort of, you know, off, you know, presence or something. He's, he's a person, he's not a human being, but he's a personality just like us. 
We're created in his image. And so when it comes to him wanting to be in places, there, you know, he's always with us when we're in his name, but there are certain places where it seems he manifests himself more in a more real way. And, and so what we want to do is we want to embrace the qualities that allow us to be able to, for him to be, a, for us to be a place where he wants to inhabit our praise and inhabit our midst and, and make himself real to us. And so we said that there are three values that we've been called to as a church. Real simply this, we've been called, first of all, to love God with all of our hearts. We have been called, one of the values of Grace Family Church, and when people look at our church, they should be able to say the people there really love God. Number two, that, we, that we're a group of people that value each other. That when they look at us, they say, boy, that's a tight-knit group of people. And when somebody shows up, they love them, they care about them, they esteem them, they value them. And then the last thing we're going to be talking about today is that not only that, but then we use our gifts and talents to serve him. And so over the last several weeks, we've been talking about those things. We pointed out, first of all, that we need to love God with all of our hearts. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And so not only is it our first value, but our first commandment as a group of believers is we should love God with everything that's in us. And so we talked about what does that look like? What does it mean for us to love God with everything? Well, it means you're head over heels in love with him, right? It means that you think about him all the time, that you're excited to be around him, that you look forward to the opportunity to come into his presence. You know, as David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It wasn't like an obligation. It wasn't like something I had to do. But I'm looking forward to it. Why? Because I get to meet the, the Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the God that I love with all of my being. And so we said that we should love God with all of our hearts. And we, we also said the second thing we should do is we should value others. Not only love God, but also we should value each other. As a group of believers, we should see the value in each person here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And so we said that, you know, part of that verse really talks about honoring each other. One of the values of us as a church, and really of you as an individual, should be that you value people. We said valuing people means you honor them, you esteem them, you lift them up. What does that mean? That means that when you engage with them, you're not thinking about the next task. You truly see them. You do your best to recognize people and see that, you know, that's an important person that God loves. And so that should be somebody I love. And because of that, I should be attentive to them. I should lift them up. I shouldn't stack rank people as some more important than others. But we love everybody at Grace Family Church. Amen? Amen. Now, today what I want to talk to you about, I want to bring this series to a close by stressing our final value. And that's the value of we should use our gifts and talents to serve God. We should use our gifts and talents to serve Him. But I want to say this up front, that if you don't establish the first value of loving God with all of your heart you'll never be able to adequately fulfill the third value of serving others and using your gift to serve others. And we see that very clearly in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Now, uh, I'm sorry, verse 38 through 42. It says this. It says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, there came a certain village, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. 
She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while, all, while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all the details. Now notice the problem there was not that she was serving, right? It was that she was worried about the details. She was concerned about it. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that, she was saying to me, and he's saying, you can't fulfill what you're trying to do for me adequately unless you first focus on what's important, and that's having a relationship and a personal relationship with me. Why? Because if you don't do that, you'll be just like her, Right? You'll wind up serving with your nose to the grindstone and complaining about everybody else that doesn't serve, right? You'll be belly aching about, I don't understand why everybody, I do all the work and nobody else does. Right? You ever been there? Maybe, 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 maybe some of you women in service in your own house, you see, I don't understand why those kids, right? At the end of the day, people need to learn responsibility. People need to fulfill their part. But when it comes down to our own personal relationship, the Bible says to work out your own salvation, right? It ain't about everybody else. And the problem here in this scenario was that it was, you know, Martha, she was so consumed with trying to do something for Jesus that she failed to get to know the Jesus she was trying to do something for, right? We see this, Jesus said this. You know, Jesus said, if you don't do that, you're going to be a complainer your whole life, Martha. Right? But oh, when we get to know Jesus and do what Mary did, we can walk out of those situations and find places of service where we do it with joy and not complaining because we want to and we're excited to do it. And we see that in John chapter 15 and verse 4. It says, remain in me, Jesus said these words, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you, can be, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So what's he saying there? Unless you take care of the first value of loving me with all your heart, you can't adequately perform the third value of using your gifts to serve. He goes on to say, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now here's the good news this morning. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying that if you'll stay connected to me, if you'll stay head over heels in love with me, if you'll worship me and you'll make you know, every waking moment a part of your attentiveness to me, then, then what will happen is, is you'll be connected to me and naturally you'll produce fruit in your life. Well, you know, if you think about producing fruit, there are two kinds of fruit that he's talking about. You know, a lot of people think that what that means is, is that you'll have productivity. One of, the fruit of this, one of the fruit that you can produce in the kingdom of God is truly productivity. What? I mean, having results. You know, doing certain things. You know, like, like um, you know, you put your hand to something and it's successful. That, that could be the fruit of productivity. You share the gospel with somebody and they accept Christ. How many of you realize that could be productivity? But how many of you realize there are going to be times where you faithfully and obediently obey God and you don't see fruit? Maybe immediately, you may never. You say, well, that doesn't sound right. Well, how many of you realize Jeremiah, he went to the nation of Israel and preached and preached and preached to them, and they didn't listen. Paul went to certain people, and he preached and preached and preached to them, and he didn't produce a, a large church in some places, right? We see that sometimes productivity is not the best fruit to measure whether you're abiding in the vine. Why? Because sometimes things take time. Sometimes people just don't do what they're supposed to do, right? 
And so the reality is, is that the real productivity and the real fruit that he's talking about isn't necessarily the fruit of productivity, but it's more the fruit of the Spirit. See, what he's saying there is, is that if you stay plugged into me, Martha, then you will be able to produce a life that doesn't complain about doing what you're doing. You will be able to have love, joy, peace, and happiness because you're serving me and you're doing it out of a heart of love to me instead of doing it because it's something you just have to do. So the point of the matter is, is that we have to be people that are connected to Jesus and we're called to be people that are connected to Jesus in such a way that we're producing a life of using our gifts to serve others. We see this in the household of Stephanus in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. It says, you know that the household of Stephanus were, were, were the first converts in, in Achaia. And they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. Notice they devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I urge you to honor and support them and all those like them who work so diligently for the Lord. Notice that Stephanus and his house were addicted to serving the Lord. Think about that word for a minute, addicted. How many of you realize addiction in, in our culture today can be a very bad thing if you're addicted to the wrong thing? How many of you know there's nothing wrong with being addicted to Jesus, though? And these people weren't just addicted to Jesus. They, they took it a step further. They were addicted to serving others. <laughs> I mean, think about addiction. Addiction is something you crave. It's something that is, I mean, it's so much in your blood that you got to go get what you need to satisfy that addiction. And what that verse says is these guys were addicted. And so we're called, or one of the core values that we should have as a church if we love Jesus and love others is that we're addicted to serving others. We don't view the opportunity to serve or to help or to reach out and touch someone as an obligation or a difficult thing or a taxing our time. We see it as, you know what, this is a product of my relationship with the Lord. Jesus loves him so much, i got to help him. Amen? Amen. I get to be a vessel through which God can touch people, not I have to be, right? I, I'm a person that signed up for the army of the Lord. I wasn't drafted, right? There's a difference, right? I think about Memorial Day, and many of the men and, 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 and women that gave their lives, they gave it, you know, because they signed up. They saw it as a privilege, to serve others. They saw it as a privilege to lay down their life. I think about, you know, that football player, the Tillman guy. What was his name? Pat Tillman. I mean, Pat Tillman, he, he was making lots of money as an NFL football player, but he quit doing that to go serve his country and protect our freedom, and he died doing it. But he saw it as a privilege. It wasn't like, oh, I got to go serve. He was looking forward to the opportunity to serve others. And so we should be a church that has that kind of DNA that's, man, every time I get a chance to serve, I am looking for that opportunity. 100% of myself is committed to it. Now, what do I mean by 100% of myself? Well, the Bible says that, you know, we should serve God with our spirit, soul, and body, all of it, right? Well, what makes up 100% of our commitment to the Lord? First of all, our time is a commitment that we should be willing to give, when you're addicted to something, how many of you realize if you, I mean, I, I remember this vividly. Uh, years ago, I was on a trip, and, and there was an individual on the trip with us that was addicted. And I remember that individual, I mean, 
they forsook everything to figure out how to satisfy that addiction. They, they didn't matter if it was time with us or they just they they disappear. Right? Why? Because they didn't view time as an inconvenience to satisfy their addiction, although it was a negative one. Well, the same thing should be uh, the same with us, that we're committed to investing our time into serving. We shouldn't see it as an inconvenience. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now that's a, you know, sort of, eloquently said phrase, right? Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? Your feet shod with the preparation really means this. It means poised as a track runner waiting for the starting gun. You ever seen somebody in the starting blocks? They're just waiting for the opportunity for that gun to sound. If they jump early, it's a false start, but they're waiting for that gun to sound. So boom, they can take off, right? That's what this, this verse has the connotation of, that we are waiting for the opportunity. Now, it says here to share the gospel of peace. And so that could be talking to someone and sharing the gospel with them. But how many of you realize sometimes the greatest way you'll ever share the gospel with somebody is living it before them by showing them the love of God through your actions, right? Jesus said, if you've done this to the least of these you've done it to me, right? So one of the ways we share Jesus with others is we're poised and ready, waiting for the opportunity. So when there's an opportunity at grace to serve, we're like, man, I gotta, I gotta re I'm addicted to that one, right? It ain't, oh, I gotta give up my golf game. It's, no, this is my opportunity to serve the Lord. This is my opportunity to serve Him. And so our time is committed. Not only that, but our talent is committed. When you're 100% in on wanting to serve, your talent is committed to the Lord. You're addicted to using every gift and every strength and every ability that you have to actually do something in service to others. We're the epitome of the good steward we see in Matthew chapter 25, verse 20, chapter 25, verse 14, larger portion of scripture. We know this portion, but I'm going to read it to you. How many realize it's okay to read six or eight verses in church? I say it all the time. Shouldn't get bored with it. It says, the king, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Now, we're going to let the one guy with the one bag of silver go this morning. We're not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about the other two. Why? Because the other two represent who you are. Amen? Amen. It goes on to say, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant who, with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. Verse 19, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used the money. The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. So what did he do? He used his talent for the master, right? The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I want to hear that when my life is over, when I stand before Jesus. I don't want him being what the other guy said. Go back and read the story. That's your homework this week. Go back and read the story and see what he said to the other one. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Be careful what you ask for, right? Some people say, well, I don't understand why I don't ever get promoted. I don't understand why I'm interested. You've got to be faithful over the little stuff you got first. You've got to use your talents. 
goes on to say, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned more. And the master said, notice he said the exact same thing to the guy that produced a lot and the guy that produced not as much. Why? Because it's not about productivity, it's about obedience. It's about serving. It says, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver and I have earned more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I'll give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. A person that is addicted to serving others, a person that has a heart and a passion to use their gifts for God, they are the epitome of these two guys. They look at their life and say, what do I have the ability to do? What do I have the talent to do? What can I use my talents for? Not to serve me, not to serve my own purposes, not to make myself personally happy, but how can I use those talents in such a way that they affect others for the kingdom of God? Why is that important? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I'll give you the punchline up front. It's important because we are going to stand before God one day and give an account of what we did with what he placed in us. And the question is going to be, did you use it to help others? Did you use it to further my kingdom? What's another part that makes up 100% of our commitment? You guys ready for this one? Our finances make up being committed to serving God and, 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 and using our gifts to serve. And when someone, think about it for a minute, when someone's addicted to something, they will spend money they don't have on that thing they're addicted to. They will figure out ways to finagle money even if they have to, to support that thing. So when, when we're talking about 100% of our self being committed to service of the Lord, part of that does involve our finances. You know, I always like to preach these messages after we take the offering so nobody thinks I'm begging you for an offering because that's not my job. But I will tell you my job is to certainly tell you the truth of God's word in every area. So there's going to be occasions I have to address this one, right? So if you're a giver, great. If you're not a giver, just keep smiling and nobody will know. All right? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21 says, The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. That's the message version of it. Jesus said it this way in the King James, where your treasure is, is where your heart is also. What's he saying? He's saying that where you sow your finances is a reflection of where your heart is. And if you're addicted to serving and you're addicted to the service of the Lord and you're addicted to the, the kingdom of God, then I will tell you, a, a good portion of what you do with your finances will be sown into the kingdom of God. Now that's between you and God. That's not my responsibility. As a matter of fact, if anybody ever wants to know, I don't look at giving records for people. I have other people counting that because I don't want to know what you do with your money. <laughs> I want to be your pastor and love you in spite of all, in, in, in regardless of what you give, whether you give a lot or whether you don't. I don't want to show partiality. But the reality is, is that if we love God with all of our hearts, we'll be actually people that sow our finances in the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10 says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? So the Lord says there's a way we can rob him, and that's robbing him by what? By not giving tithes and offerings. What are tithes and offerings? Well, a tithe is a word that means 10%. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but I'll tell you this. 10% never will be 15%, right? And 10% will never be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9%. A tithe is 10% of your income, right? And an offering is anything you give over that. 
Now, there are some people that believe that the tithe is not New Testament. We don't have to do it. But the reality is, is that we're called to be givers to the kingdom of God. I believe the tithe is something we should give. And in the New Testament, we probably should give more than that. Why should the new covenant not be better than the old one, right? Why should you not do more, right? But the reality is, is that a tithe is a part of your income and an offering is an in, a part of your income. And, and God asked us to give of that to support his kingdom, right? Why do we need to be tithers? Notice what it says there. It goes on to say in verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. The reason God calls us to be tithers to our local church is so there's money, there's, there's substance there, there's sustenance there for that church to do what God has called it to do. And i got to tell you, you guys are great givers. Look at your neighbor and say, he's, he's talking to me about being a good giver. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. You guys have been awesome givers. I will tell you this, per capita, I would tell you that we probably rank higher than most, most churches in America, Right? Most churches, you know, I think it's, I mean, it's a very small fraction of people that actually tithe. But you guys are faithful givers, and I'm grateful for that. But the reality is God wants us to be givers of our income so that there's meat in my house. And the good news is, is this, it's not a, it's not a losing proposition. It's the best investment you can make. Because what it says there, it says that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. See, what God says is when you're a tither, now some people think that means he's just going to make you filthy rich. Well, how many realize God doesn't want you being filthy rich? He don't mind you being rich, but filthy rich is an ugly thing, right? He doesn't mind you being rich. But this verse is not talking about you being the next millionaire or the next Donald Trump or, well, if you don't like Donald Trump, we won't go there. But it's not talking about that. It's talking about you having a life where you are fully and abundantly supplied and there is abundance in your life and you can enjoy the good things in this life. And there's so, notice what it says there. You can't even contain it. There's so much that you just have to give it away, Right? That's God's promise to us. And so he's called us to be people that are not only givers of our time and givers of our talent, but are givers and servers with our finances. We serve the kingdom of God with it. You know, i got to tell you, you know, I think sometimes we view our church as not an extension of ourselves. We view it as like a McDonald's. I don't call McDonald's my McDonald's, but I call my house my house. And if the roof ain't where it needs to be on the McDonald's, I'm like, I'm still buying my double cheeseburger. I'm not paying for your roof. But if the roof on my house has a problem, guess what? There's a vested interest. I view it as mine, and I'm going to fix the roof on my house. So the point I'm trying to make is really simply this. It's a perspective change when we talk about serving and, you, and being servants in the kingdom of God and using our gifts that we recognize that, that we are a collective family of believers. And we have a common goal of reaching people in the best possible way we can. And at times there's going to be building funds. At times there's going to be lights, bills to pay. And we all collectively just need to recognize this is a part of my house. I need to do my part. Amen. And if we all do our part, then we'll be successful. And, I, and so that's the point I'm trying to make this morning is that we, we need to use every bit of who we are to be addicted to serving the Lord. We need to throw 100% of ourselves, our times, talent, and resources in the ministry of sharing ourselves with others. Now, why is that important? I just want to give you a couple reasons why serving God is important and why a person that's addicted to the ministry understands it's important. 
One of the reasons serving God is important because we recognize that it's the best investment in our future. Everybody say it's the best investment in your future. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 through 20 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in to steal. This verse is not just talking about money. I, wanna, you know, I talked a little bit about money, but I want to I I move away from that to the more holistic thought of giving yourself in service to the Lord. What this verse is talking about is, is how you're investing your life. What that verse says there is, is don't invest your life in everything in this temporary life. We get so focused on uh, building this life and, you know, when we're younger, our house and our picket fence and our families, right? And God cares about all those things. Sometimes we get so caught up in our career and trying to achieve something. But what that verse is saying is don't be so caught up in what is temporary and that will one day go away. And give no thought or concern to what is really important, and that which is inter- that w- that's that is what's inter- eternal. <laughs> and so, what we're saying is, that when we're addicted to the ministry, when we're addicted to serving, we recognize that this is not an obligation. It's not a difficult thing for me to do. It's not like, oh, I got to do this. But no, it's I am sowing things into my future that I will receive a reward for one day. You know, that seems like something that would be easy to say in religion. Well, I'm just, you know, it's, it's a reward. But how many of you realize that you really are storing up rewards for yourself when you serve? It's not just a feel-good thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, By the grace of God given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one of you sh- should be built with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is if you're in the kingdom of God and Jesus, you've accepted him, that's your foundation as a believer. And if anyone builds on this foundation, on what foundation? If anyone builds on the foundation that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So what that tells me is this, is you can accept Jesus and have a foundation and never finish the house that God intended you to finish. It says you have to build on it. It says using gold, silver, and costly stones or wood, hay, and stubble or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built, been built survives, then the builder will receive a reward. So what it's saying is, is when we take our time to invest in eternity, that, that is gold, silver, and precious stone. You realize when you take your time to come over here on a work day to actually straighten up the flower beds, you may think that's minuscule. That is gold, silver, and precious stones. Why? Because we're trying to make our church a place where people will feel comfortable so we can tell them the message we've been called to tell them. When you take out of your finances and sow it into the kingdom of God, that is gold, silver, and precious stone. When you take your time and talent and you give it to service, you are building yourself up for a reward in the end. So the real question we have to ask ourselves is a soul-searching question. Is my life about serving God? Or is my life about squeezing serving God into my life? Right? 
These are hard questions we need to ask ourselves. But as I look at the early church in the book of Acts, their, their personal life was their personal life that they really, but the real, the real life for them was what was going on in the effort to reach people. How are you spending your life? Are you investing? Another reason we should be addicted to the ministry is because we recognize that serving is the key to real happiness. You know, I'm always hesitant to share the benefit of something because we live in a culture today where if it ain't a benefit, in it, we don't do anything. How many of you realize a man going and dying for our freedom, there was no personal benefit to him in dying? But he made a choice. So I'm going to share with you one of the benefits of serving and one of the reasons we serve should be for the, you know, we should understand the benefit. But i got to tell you something. There should be something in us that says, bless God, if I didn't get anything out of this, I am still going to serve. I'm still going to give. I'm still going to follow Jesus. I, I refuse to be a preacher that tries to convince people that God is going to be so good to you if you do something for him. I will tell you that he will because he will. But we need to be people that are willing to serve God regardless of what we get out of it. But what we do recognize is, is that when we do serve, it is a key to our own personal happiness. Notice Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What was Jesus saying? He said, if you spend your whole life trying to create your own happiness, never thinking about the kingdom of God, you'll never be happy. You will never be truly satisfied. Why? Because you are, you are working against the very design by which you were created. You were designed by God, whether you recognize it or not, to serve other people. You say, well, that's, why did God do that to me? Because it is the only way to find true happiness. Think about it for a minute. In your life, when is, when is the greatest feeling of blessing and happiness? I got to tell you, for me, it's not when I get something. I, I get excited when I get good things. How many of you get excited when you get good things? But I got to tell you, how many of you realize, I mean, when you give somebody something that they need, some of the most heartwarming, fulfilling moments in my life have been when I shared the gospel, when I gave of myself, when I gave something more than what I probably could have given, but I did it for the right reasons. I wanted to be a blessing. God made you that way. And we need to understand that one of the reasons we serve with all of our hearts is because it is the only way we will find true happiness. The only way to find true happiness, and when I talk about serving, I'm not talking about monumental things. I'm talking about just stepping up, serving in the nursery. It may not be the most pleasant thing you're doing in that moment, but if you do it with a mindset of I'm doing this for the kingdom of God, I'm doing it because this child is precious. I'm doing it because that mom is precious and she may need a few moments to herself. When we do it that way, at the end of it, it should be fulfilling for us because we recognize we're, we're, we're exemplifying the character of Jesus. Which leads me to the third reason why we're addicted. We're addicted because it's the greatest expression we can show of God's love. John chapter 15 and verse 12 says, My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Notice this, greater love has no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. 
A person that is addicted to the ministry recognizes, addicted to serving, recognizes the greatest way I can show love to someone is to serve them. I can tell somebody I love them all day long, but those words will just be placating words if they're not backed up by actions that display it. You have to be willing to serve. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. i got to tell you, I'm so grateful for a church that does this. I'm so grateful. You know, I watched Todd and his family move over the last month, and I watched a group of men show up and give of their time and their sweat and their effort where they could be doing, doing something else, but they gave because we love Todd. Everybody look at Todd and say, we love you, Todd. He's right there in the back. We should have that same mindset of serving everybody that walks in the doors of this church. I am here to serve you, to help you, to bless you. As the musicians come, I want to talk to you about one last reason we should be addicted to the ministry. We should be addicted to the ministry because, and this really gets to the core of what I was saying earlier, because it's our reasonable service for what Christ has done for us. It is our reasonable service for what Christ has done for us. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says this. It says, Beloved friends, what should, I, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I want you to think about that for a minute. He says, what should be our response to God's marvelous mercies? What does he mean by that? What should be our response to Jesus dying on a cross for us? What should be our response for him hanging on a cross and shedding his blood and going to hell for us? Well, certainly it should be accepting him. But what should our ongoing response be as a group of believers? Beloved friends, what should our proper response be to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. See, serving God is not about doing something for God. It's about giving him your life as a product of worship. It's about, you know, I, I remember when I was 18 years old and the Lord called me to ministry. Not everybody's not called to full-time ministry, but when the Lord called me to ministry, I remember my mindset was, I am so grateful for what you've done for me that when you tap me on the shoulder and ask me to do this, I am willing to lay down everything and do it for you. See, one of the reasons we should be addicted to the ministry is because we recognize it's our reasonable service. It's what we should do for him. We see this type of response unfold in the book of Revelation chapter 5. We see all of heaven sort of say back to the Lamb of God who shed his blood for us to say, say back to him, all of who we are is yours. Our time, our talent, our resources, our worship, our breath, our life. It says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. It's a very real scene in heaven. Verse 8. The four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb. Each one of them had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. 
and they will reign on the earth. Then I, will look, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the, and, and on the sea and all them that, in, that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four and living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. We see a picture of folks looking at Jesus, recognizing him as the lamb that was slain and saying, because you did this for us, I give you all of me. You know, I've been talking about being a church that exemplifies certain values so we establish a culture. At the end of the day, the first value really sums it all up. We should be a church that loves God with everything that is in us. And because we do and because we've been touched by that love, it causes us to value those around us. And because we've been touched by that love, it causes us to say, I want to serve you. You know, in a husband and wife relationship, there are times where there are tasks that need to be done, and there are times where uh, for a husband, a wife may need to help. I gotta tell you, you know, my wife, she works really, really hard at what she does. There are plenty of times where my docket's full, just something simple, but it's an illustration. I walk into the kitchen, and she's been busy, and I see dishes everywhere. And I recognize that if she had the time she would have done it then a part of me says oh I gotta do the dishes but I tell you something else rises up in me that's my wife she's so good to me I get to do the dishes I get to help her that should be the same I should look at her she's shaking her head that's right amen That should be our mindset for the lamb that was slain. Lord, I am willing to do anything for you. I am willing to serve you. I am willing to worship you. I will get up and come to church because I want to know you. I will find a place to serve in my church and use my gifts and talents because I recognize you gave your life for me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.